Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Board Game Mechanics. I'm Katie, and with me, as always, is... Hey, everybody, what's going on? It is Jason. Well, here we are. We made it through the 4th of July. We did. Six six more weeks of summer for the kids to go back to school. <laughs> Not that we're counting or anything. I mean, go on. I mean, yes, we are counting, totally. They might be, too, because I think they're tired of us, also. Well, feelings mutual. <laughs> To be fair, like this week we've been shipping our youngest off to uh, a camp for at least part of the day, so that sort of helps. It's not it's not long enough though. <laughs> the problem is like when she comes back, it's like she amped herself up to eleven and she's just kind of a psych a raging psycho for a good while. Yeah, that's true. You're not wrong. Okay. So with all of the 4th of July excitement, I'm like way behind in my grading, so we're not going to belabor the intro banter, but we're going to get right to this episode. And let's start with news and crowdfunding. I've got some Kickstarters of all different types today, actually, including one with a theme that I don't like and yet I like. Hmm, Intriguing. But first, let's start with a really cool theme and kind of what could be a really interesting, probably just gimmicky, but still kind of cool thing. And that is globe trotting. So globe trotting is from Road to Infamy, Chicago-based game publisher, um, who did Canvas. If you may have heard of that little game. Never heard of it. I know, right? I actually, unpopular opinion, I don't like Canvas. It's lame. I said it. It's pretty. It's cute. I don't ever want to play it because it bores me. I said it. I think it's fine. It's just not all it's cracked up to be. Come at me in the comments. However, this one, I, I mean, I like the theme of Canvas isn't bad, but this one is kind of a cool theme. So in globe trotting, you are, oh my goodness, planning out some trips. Um, you're going to have a spring, summer, or fall trip. And this is kind of a roll and write. Each round, you're going to reveal three destination cards, and you are going to add them to one of your trips. But you do that by drawing the flight path on this globe. Like, you have an actual globe. So this is a flip and right, basically, in a lot of ways. So you draw the path on the globe to this new destination, and then the globe has this ring around it that tells you um, how far based on how far you're going from one point to another, how much the airfare cost is. And like the further you fly, the more expensive the trip. That makes sense. And you've got this little passport where you log your airfare so you know how much you've spent. Again, it's also dry erase. Very cute. Um, And so by visiting these different destinations, you're trying to fulfill some goals, like they're called bucket list goals, which is cool. And there's some like global objectives that everybody's trying to go after. So maybe you want to see like some of the seven wonders of the world or go skinny dip in the Pacific. You know, you have to like actually, you know, stop somewhere along the Pacific um, in order to fill that goal. Those kind of things. Really neat. Um, And then also there's a couple other modules they have with it. And one of them is um, where you can go with travel companions. And so you can kind of meet up in the destination with people to your left and to your right um, to get some points that way, which I think is really neat. Like, I think the concept is like wicked cool. It comes in this like really neat, like steamer trunk looking suitcase um, with these like, oh, it's wet erase, not dry erase, excuse me, um, coating on like your 
globes, your cards, um, the passports, all those things, which I think is really neat. Um, and there's some really cool stuff unlocked. You can also get Canvas <laughs> as part of this Kickstarter if you're interested. But globe trotting, I think it sounds really cool. That idea of drawing your trip on the actual globe, super neat, like really probably gimmicky, but still kind of cool because it also serves the function of saying how much you have to pay in order to fly to these different places. So really neat. Um, if, if that sounds cool to you, check it out. There's only four days left by the time this episode drops before that Kickstarter is done. And to get those four globes in that case, $53. So again, not super cheap, but you are getting like a pretty, like a baseball sized globe to draw on for everybody in that. So yeah, check out globe trotting. Yeah, I know nothing about this, but that globe thing looks super cool. So that has me intrigued for sure. I like the theme. I, I love that kind of a travel theme because I love to travel. So since I don't get to as often as I would like, I think this is a, a fun way to do that. Yeah, I agree. I, everything about it's cool. Like I think, well, we have Trekking the World and that's a cool theme. Yeah. And this is this has a cool gimmick and I love a cool gimmick. So I know. I, I, I doubt you're going to back it because it's over your price limit, but it looks cool. Yeah, I'm sure the globe right there pushes it outside of what I'm willing to pay. So Well, and then... You backed um, Septima, which was like something nobody saw coming. Yeah, we're, we're done backing Kickstarters for like about 10 years. Yeah, Jason's never going to back on a Kickstarter again. <laughs> All right, my next Kickstarter is definitely thematically something I enjoy because it's got Japanese anime art. Oh, yeah. Um, and this game is called Made Night Saga. Made Night. Not Mage Night. Made Night Saga. The story of Faltesia. And so this is a board game that is like tableau, kind of card drafting, um, management. So the theme is that you are taking the student through the Made Night training. And so it's like three in-game years. And you're basically trying to prove that student statistic statistics um, through like doing activities and drafting cards that give them like part-time jobs or training or meditation or studying. And like you kind of choose where you want to focus and that's going to prepare um, your character for these different situations that come up. And those situations are going to help give you points, um, score off between students, all those kind of things. Um, that are going to help you then get points, which is, you know, how you win the game. Um, there's also like a really neat part. You ha kind of, I don't want to say it's a midway point, but you're trying to really get like your maid night license. Um, so you have to kind of get them, get your maid to a certain point where they can take this exam or whatever. And if they pass it, whatever levels they need, they get like a special, um, like unique player power. And so that's cool. You're earning gold. You can also go like to purchase items that are going to help you maybe with victory points, with the actions that you're doing so that you can get those victory points and win. Um, so this is a, a Japanese game that was brought over by Lionwing Publishing, which I think is really interesting because I'm pretty sure Lionwing is out of Cincinnati. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I was like, that is interesting. Didn't know about that. But as you all know, I love Japanese themed games. And one of, besides the look of it, the other reason I really like it is because strong female characters, every single one of these, like, I, I, do I understand the whole maid thing as like a shtick in Japan? No, 
But the fact that they're then also becoming knights, I think that's really interesting. I don't know. Uh, so there's a bunch of different characters you can choose from. Just a lot of that kind of, you know, managing these different statistics um, and then using those to accomplish goals to get victory points. I like that kind of thing, that tableau building, hand management thing. So this intrigues me. Card drafting, one to six players. So if any of that interests you, check out Made Night Saga, the story of Faltesia. It has six days left on Kickstarter, and the base pledge is 60 bucks. Yeah, it sounds interesting, but I do think the name is uh, going to cause some problems. I mean, Ma- Mage Knight, Mage Knight is huge, and yeah. to call this Maid Knight, that's going to be confusing. So it sounds cool, but could be a. It's not the Japanese people's fault. That's what it is. I mean, well, that's that. No, that's true. I'm just saying the name is could be a stumbling block. I mean, you can figure it out, but a little too close, maybe. The other thing I also appreciate is that it is anime art, but no one is scantily clad. Lame. I'm gonna come back there and punch you. <laughs> I know you don't believe that, but uh, I like that they're like, oh, we actually have to fight? Good, so we shouldn't wear something stupid. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, it does make sense. No one's going to fight in, like, a bikini or anything. Really? You say that, but every time somebody, typically of the male gender, draws them, that is what they look like. I'm well, like, who is going to fight? And, like, ugh. I mean, I did see some people trying to fight when I was at the concert at the lake, but they were wearing <laughs> bikinis. But that's an exception and not the rule. That's true. Or like, I, <laughs> so I've seen this meme kind of thing that goes around or just like a snippet of somebody complaining, like talking about Phasma in Star Wars and saying like, how can you even tell that that she's a female stormtrooper because of her armor? You know, you can't tell with by the armor. And I'm like, someone said, exactly. Why should armor be gendered when it's the whole idea is it's to save your life like oh yeah 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 i I just i don't get it anyway i'll put that soapbox away and i'll talk about my last kickstarter which this one i almost didn't back because i'm like dang it space why 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 new soapbox why are we into space themes okay we in the United States, we no longer really allocate funds to space exploration, like hardly at all. We have to have crazy millionaires, billionaires, start their own space stuff. I, I mean, I feel like the space craze is over, but yet, but yet, we still want to keep making space-themed games. Why? It's easy. All you have to do is have some black ink and you're good to go. Black and then some white spots. So irritating. Like, of all the things, there are so many themes. However, this is this game has space theme, but it's also coffee shops. <laughs> Another very popular theme, but they put them together. And this game is called Stardust Coffee. So Stardust Coffee is by Lobby Games um, out of Hong Kong. And um, it is where you are running a coffee making plant in space so you sail your spaceship around the galaxy to collect the ingredients that you need for the coffee then you make the coffee by like so it's like resource management you gather resources you put a you contract fulfillment the coffee recipe but you also can collect stardust because you're in space right and stardust would actually make the coffee taste amazing if you add it to the coffee and that would give you extra victory points 
for your coffee if you had Stardust in it. However, Stardust also upgrades your ship so you can get places faster, maybe collect more resources. So do I want to put the Stardust in the coffee or do I want to upgrade my ship? And then, of course, you've also got space pirates like you do who are out there while you're traveling the galaxy trying to rob you. Now, you don't just have to avoid them. You also could fight back, which I think is a really interesting like, kind of spin on how it normally goes with space pirates. Um, but at this heart, it's not just like a roll and move. This is a dice game. So you're choosing action dice each round that are going to use things on your spaceship and you're going to use to perform actions. So each person has like a lot of really interesting um, various player powers for their spaceship, but they're based on the role of the dice that you pick and you can only use so many of them at a time, but you're also going to use dice to collect stuff to make your coffee. Um, the way that the galaxy is laid out, each game changes because they're tiles. So you, when you travel on to get stuff, your resources are located in different areas. It, I just think it's a fun, silly theme. And I love using dice um, for workers in a game. And I like, you know, contract fulfillment kind of stuff. Plus theme cracks me up. So if anything interests you, check out Stardust Coffee. There's 12 days left on the Kickstarter. The base pledge... $28. Dang, how's it so cheap? I don't know. But that's pretty good, right? Yeah, I saw the pictures of it, and it looks like it should be way more than $28. Not that I'm complaining. I mean, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just surprised, that's all. The artwork looks good. Um, now, that's just the base game. Now, if you want, like, um, wooden tokens, and there's a little mini expansion called Irregular Moons, that's going to be $34. But I think $34 to get wooden tokens with silkscreen, which you all know I am obsessed with, I think that's worth it. I would like it. Yeah, I don't get it. I'm going to look this up. I don't understand how it's so cheap. Maybe I looked at a different picture, but it looked like a big like Euro game when I looked at it earlier. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't know how thick the boards are or any of that business. I don't know what the shipping is going to run you. I mean, Stronghold produced Terraforming Mars and charges like $900 for it, and it's terrible quality, so... That's true. This it is true. It has to be at least that good. Well, and I feel the same about Ark Nova. Um, at the quality. Spoiler. Uh, the quality is not that great. Yeah, the player boards are similar to the, uh, the Terraforming Mars ones. Yeah. Yes. So, that is my last Kickstarter. Alright, so let's talk about a few games that we played. We have one that we've never talked about before, and one that I wanted to replay to give it a fair shake, and that's where we are. So the first one that we're going to talk about is a game called Masters of Renaissance. And this is subtitled the Lorenzo Il Magnifico card game. Uh, sure. But effectively what you're doing in this game is you are collecting resources through this really cool marble mechanism where you're going to take either a row or a column of colored marbles and they'll give you resources based on the color that they are. Could move you up on the face tra faith track could give you military, could give you servants, could give you stones, could give you gold. Then what you're trying to do is you're going to be using those resources to buy cards that are going to create your engine. You have a space for three different cards, and each card is going to take some kind of resources to produce some other kind of resources. Or you either, you're either going to take resources, buy a card, or you're going to run all the production that you have on your board. And then you're going to get resources that will come down into your storage box, which helps you keep 
more resources because without running production, you have a maximum of six resources that you can hold and they're three different kinds and you're never going to be able to buy anything. So you're trying to juggle one, when you take resources from the cool marble thing, when you're going to buy cards, when you want to run your resources and all of that stuff. So it's effectively the production part of Lorenzo El Magnifico stripped down to a more simplistic version. Has the same art. So Clemens Franz reared his head. He, <laughs> so hideous. He drew some pictures. Uh, the box actually looks really good. I'm, I like the box, but everything else. Because man, there's no people on it is why. That, that's true. It's just a, a feather pin with an ink, an ink um, well, jar. Yeah. Inkwell. Well, yeah, I couldn't think of the word. And uh, so, yeah, it's Clemens Franz art. So, you know, whatever. But I think the gameplay is, it's it's pretty simple, but I enjoy the marble mechanism. It's a gimmick. I like gimmicks, and that's where I played this game a ton. I played it a bunch of solo. I played it with some friends when we were at camp a couple weeks ago, but this was Katie's first time playing, and I didn't actually ask what you think of it. So what do you think of this one? Um, I, I like it. I, I understand the hesitation with saying that it's Lorenzo Emelianifko, the card game, but I think that there's enough parallels that it works. Like, we were talking about it last night and making the comparison, like, well, is it... Is it like Lorenzo, like Camel Up offseason is like Camel Up? No, it's way more tied than that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, definitely a lot more closely. I, I like the marbles. So I like the way that works. I definitely am really bad at this game. I don't. I think my brain just, it's, there's some strategy to it that I'm not good at. Because I was like, oh, well, I keep getting these things, but. I'm not producing anything that helps me run my engine. So that's a problem. I, I, I definitely think it's worth more plays. And it's pretty easy, pretty quick. Um, just collecting resources and then um, choosing to buy cards or um, choosing to run your engine. I wish there were like other ways of getting points. I mean, I guess collecting cards is a way. Yeah, the faith track too. Right. So I, th- I think... Yeah, but the faith track doesn't overcompensate for some other things. So, yes, I would definitely play this again. I liked it. I think it has, like, that nice balance between simplicity of action versus um, actual choice, like complexity of choice, which I really enjoy. Um, It's absolutely ugly, sure. Um, But it's got – definitely has some good parts to it. It actually made me want to play Lorenzo even more because I I was really longing for, like, the depth of that and the complexity of that, um, the extra things to to do on my turn as opposed to this one. But this was still, like, a nice little kind of palate cleanser thing. So, yeah, I I liked it. Yeah, this is basically, like – a thinky filler. You should be able to play this game, you know, 30 to 45 minutes, which I think is what we did. Yeah. Uh, it's a simple collect things, spin them, get points, trigger the end of the game. Whoever wins, wins. I like it. It definitely takes Lorenzo and strips it down a lot and focuses on just that, you know, the right. yellow section of the Lorenzo game. But I still like it. It's got marble. It's got a gimmick. I'm down. So, so yeah, that's Masters of the Renaissance. So next we played... Arc Nova, because I wanted to play it again now that some of the hype and my bitterness has worn off. Seriously and- better. Like, <laughs> to the point where I had to call, I, like, wanted to call you out on it and slap you around with a fish or something. We were, like, out of control. So we did play Arc Nova again. We won't go over it too much because we just talked about it, I don't know, last week or a couple weeks ago. It's um, basically terraforming Mars with a zoo. zoo. 
It's a polyominoes. Yeah, it's if it's terraforming Mars esque. You're using cards that have different kinds of tags to be able to play other cards to get more tags. Uh, you're going to be putting some of the animals in these little pins that you've made in your zoo to you know be able to play them. So there's like kind of a couple different resources that you're trying to manipulate. And the scoring is like Rogers of the Ganges. You're moving around two different directions, getting two different kinds of points. Once you cross over, that's uh, the end of the game. And whoever crosses over the farthest is the winner. There's a lot more to it than that. The way you get cards, the cool action selection and all that. But it's if you play Terraforming Mars, this will feel familiar to you. And I will say this time, it's still not the greatest game in the world. But this time... I did worse, but I did have more fun with it. <laughs> I did terrible. I, I at least crossed over the last time on the tracks. I was like way negative this time, but I still enjoyed it. I had fun. I tried to just do different things this time. Like I tried to focus on filling up my my zoo board to see if I could do anything down there and um, all that kind of thing. I didn't win, not even close, but I had fun. And I got a petting zoo and tried different routes. I like going to reptiles too, so I did some reptiles. It, it was fun. Uh, I still don't think it's a game that I need to have and that I want to keep coming back to all that much, especially since we have Terraforming Mars and all that. But it's definitely fun. And if someone wanted to play it, I'm not going to say no. So how do you feel about it this time? I, I liked this time. I liked it last time, too, because I also really like Terraforming Mars. But again, like I mentioned, this has a theme I actually like. Um, unlike freaking space. Anyway, I, I was already on that soapbox. It's away. Um, so I like the zoo theme. It's ugly. Uh, the components are not good, but I think the gameplay is good. I love that kind of tableau management, um, trying to get bonuses to chain off of each other. And then that, um, like scoring that you have a Rajas, the Ganges where you're crossing. Now I won like big time. Like I put the hurt on everybody pretty much. Um, I blocked it out. Nobody it. else even had a positive score. So. Amy did, didn't she? Uh, I don't think she actually. She was the closest. Crossing. She was, she the, was closest. the closest. She was the closest. For a minute there, I thought she was going to get me. I was like, oh, crap. So I was like piling on the regular points. <laughs> Not, um, But again, the reason I like this so much is there are multiple paths to victory. Last time, I did things differently. I might have won last time, too. Or I was at least close. Um, I think I won. I honestly have no, no idea. <laughs> but I did I did things differently. Definitely. I covered my whole board last time. You know, I tried some other things. This time, I used like maybe half of my zoo. Um, but I really focused on like, okay, getting some cards out. They're going to allow me to get some like regular, like there's two types of points. There's the appeal points and... I think I just victory points. Just yeah, I'm not victory sure. Victory points. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the victory points are very hard to come by. And knowing that after the first time we played, I really tried to find ways to get those. I also decided to use, we had discussed that it, it, it goes on too long and it still did. Um, but I kind of like that because I feel like it gives you time to really put a plan into action and see it all the way through. Um, but I chose to use the, the beginner setup they call it where it's one side of the player board where you start with like an empty pen of three and um and like a, a kiosk or something so it gives you something to start with i don't know if that helped a lot like i felt like it didn't put me way far out 
I just because like Jason and Chris were like steaming through playing cards and stuff at the beginning. Yeah, I started um, off super strong, then I did nothing. I had like a hard crash. <laughs> yeah, and, and that really didn't happen for me. It was more of a steady build still. So I don't know if that really helped or not because Amy and I both used the beginner side, and we were the I was winner and she was second. So I don't know what that says, but we had mentioned like possibly a prelude esque kind of thing for this like they did for terraforming mars and i still think it's a bad idea um but if you really like the game and playing it with people who know how to play i probably would have played it with if we played it one player less or even a two it would go even quicker but then you'd you know some of your cards don't like uh, fire off as often when you're just another player yeah so it's hard to as much as i like playing games with the least amount of people possible. Uh, I think this one definitely should probably be played at four just because of that chaining stuff. Because yeah. there's all those cards that fire off on other people's zoos. And if it's just two players, that may never happen. Because, you know, if I was playing with you, you may never even have any of that stuff. So it's... Well, then that changes how the game's played. And I just don't play those. Yeah, that's you know true. I mean? But I feel like that's what they they want you to do. And that's kind of what makes the game shine. And Right. I, I feel like if you're not doing that, then you're missing out on a part of it. Well, and, and so then your game's going to be long. So either you just deal with that or they do need to have a solution to that where you are kickstarted or you draft cards or you do something in a different way to kind of help move things along yeah and it was quicker this time because we didn't have to do a full learning game true we just did a quick refresher which was like 10 minutes or so so uh yeah it definitely was shorter than last time for sure Mm -hmm. but still I, i enjoyed it and i i personally think i would like to have this one as well as terraforming mars or maybe i would i would like it instead of to be honest because i like the theme better I I don't know. I just really like Terraforming Mars a lot. I I like the gameplay. Like I like the zoo part of Ark Nova, but I, I I don't think like it's super necessary. I like the card play. That's the part that I like of it, and that's why I like Terraforming Mars because it's just that card play. But the zoo play is like the same as putting stuff out on the map of Mars. Yeah, I guess. I I don't know. I like that better. It's just my preference. I I could do. I do like the Ark Nova theme better for sure. The animals are cute and all that stuff, but. I like the gameplay of Terraforming Mars a little bit better. I think that they're so similar that you're lying to yourself. I don't think so. Let's play it again. I'm, and when you play it again, you'll be like, when you play Terraforming Mars again, you'll be like, oh, yeah, this is basically the same. Disagree. I've been playing it on my computer because I downloaded it for free from the Epic Game Store. And I still love it. So disagree. Okay. Well, then we have to have both, I guess. <laughs> All right. Fine. If I can find <laughs> it for a cheap price, 20 bucks, I'll pick it up. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right, so anyway, those are the games that we've played. Let's keep rolling. Okay, so we started a new series, uh, a What is on the Shelf series. That's Jason's, like, very formal diction. What's on the Shelf makes a lot more sense. Um, we... What is on the Shelf, people? Okay. Uh, so last week we started on one of these little shelves. I, again, have no idea where the shelf came from. The top shelf, we showed you a picture of it. Now we're moving down one shelf. Again, I do not understand Jason's arrangement of said shelf. Don't think about it too much. Just go with it. I don't know how he did it, but there's some interesting games in the shelf. Again, another way for us just to um, 
look at old games, give some love on games, see what people have in their collection. Um, was it Fred who was like, here, I'm going to tell you what's on one of my random shelves. I love that. Yeah, I think it was Fred. Yeah. Give us a little picture and we'll go through our shelves together and it'll be great. Um, however, on the picture, no one commented on all the Harry Potter Legos that I put together that are on top of said shelf. I realize you're all board game focused, but come on. The Hogwarts Express is up there. I mean, come on. Jeez, anyway. people. Appreciate me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll just talk about the board games. And Jace, go ahead and start with a little game that I almost didn't see because it was tucked away. Yeah, so... I really don't know why this is on the shelf because I have little games everywhere else, but I don't know. I think I just sat it there and forgot about it. (laughs) But uh, this game is a game that was sent to us for review. It's a solo only game. Came out of nowhere. I've played it a ton of times. And the game is called A Gentle Rain. This is a solo tile laying game where you're trying to place these tiles down to create these different patterns in the center of four squares that will let you plant a flower. And the flowers have different designs. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to put these tiles down in a way that you get all the flowers that you have available out on the board with, and the score, your score is however many tiles you have left. So you're trying to get all the flowers out in as few tiles as possible. That's it. That's the entire game. It's uh, pretty hard. It, I lose it a lot. I've won it a couple times, not a good score. So we won't talk about that, but I have won. Uh, It's a fun little game. If you like solo games, tiny box, you can put this in you know, a bag or wherever, take it wherever you want, play it while you're waiting on food. It's a really fun game and it's on the shelf for some reason, a gentle rain. Yeah. Um, the reason I didn't talk about this was because I have never played it and being a solo game, of course I've never played it. Um, since that's, that's not generally my jam. Ooh, the next game I want to talk about that's on the shelf, the actual one that I saw. Oh, this isn't the one that's next on the shelf. You got these out of order. Because I um, wanted them to go in the order that I have them here. Yes, it's a little bit out of order, but yes. If you're looking at the picture, you may be confused because the next <laughs> one is not the one I'm going to talk about. <laughs> but instead, I'll talk about a very kind of um, maybe underrated game. I don't see people talking about this hardly at all. And that is Founding Fathers. Um, I don't know if our copy is from Jolly Roger Games or not. I would imagine. Uh, I think ours is from Ultra Pro. At least that's what it says on the side of the box that I'm looking at right now. Interesting. Yeah, I don't. Um, I don't so this is a game about the founding fathers, and you actually um, are you get you're given cards that kind of show some delegates that came to um, the Continental Congress. No, it's a constitutional convention. Constitutional convention. Um, because you're really trying to work through making the Constitution. Now that's the thing that's slapped on there. In general, it is an area control game. So you are trying to gain control um, by playing cards that have that are like labeled Federalists or Anti-Federalists, Big State, Small State issues, which are things that were discussed at the Constitutional Convention. Very important. I, feel um, like I need to start singing Hamilton. I know. I'm like, I'm oh, delegated <laughs> to the to the Constitutional Convention. Um, <laughs> But really, at heart, it is an area control game. And I think, and it can be kind of take that-esque. Kind um, of. This game is mean. It, it's pretty mean, which is hilarious that it's a mean game about founding fathers. But if any, <sighs> if you really know what goes on in Congress, I guess it's probably like this. Oh, yeah. Um, but you're playing these cards, and you can play them to kind of affect um, 
the votes on certain issues or the actual um, cards themselves have powers that you can play the cards to use instead. And those powers are, are also pretty cool. Um, and then you can use, there's like another little track on there that you're going to use to try and um, like gain points for yourself, kind of moving up, jockeying. And that's like, oh, if a... It's like big a subcommittee state. track, I think, is the actual thing. Yes. If so like a big state issue is passed and you're high on the subcommittee, you're going to get points for that. It is super mean. It is super take thatty. Um, you don't have, but you don't have to be like really knowledgeable about the founding fathers or anything, although it does have really interesting historical facts in it. And the bits are really nice. Um, but the last time I played it, I was like, wow, this is just area control and this is really mean. Like, I, I enjoyed it, but I thought, oh, maybe I want to rethink wanting to play this so much. Probably should have played it over the holiday weekend, but we didn't. But it's still good. I enjoy it. I'd give it another look look at. So that's Founding Fathers. Yeah, I do want to play this again. I keep seeing it over there, and I tried to do a video for it, but I haven't played it in so long that I had no idea what was going on. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I definitely, definitely one I want to play again, but you need to have three and probably the more people you have, the better, because it's going to make the fighting over the seats a little bit more fun, but that's true. All right. So the next game is the one that should have been talked about after a gentle rain, (laughs) but I wasn't sure if Katie had played this and I was trying to stagger them. So it was me and her, me and her, but she did play it evidently. And I, I forgot. So that's why it's out of order. So sorry, but the game is police precinct. And this is a cooperative game about, well, being police officers driving around this three-block town that has more crime than Gotham City trying to... Which is uh, saying something. Yes, yeah, which is saying (laughs) something. You're trying to resolve the crimes and the car wrecks and all that kind of thing, gas leaks. And the way that works is you move to a thing and you have to roll some dice, so this is a roll for resolution type game. Like, if I go, there's somebody who's got, like, someone held hostage. I go to the the place in my car... Based on the type of car that I have, if I have a, a marked car or an unmarked car, it's going to give me different stats accordingly to do things. Unmarked car lets me um, search for the crime scene and murder weapon and all that stuff to get the, the evidence. A marked car helps with a, defeating the emergencies and all that kind of thing. You get more dice to roll. And if it's a, it needs a four to beat it, if I roll it and I get a four, five, or six, I win. I get a bonus. The emergency is resolved. We can go on with our day. If you lose... The emergency is not resolved. You go to the hospital because you got beaten up while you were trying to resolve and you lose a bunch of cards. Um, it's crazy. It's super hard. It's hard to win. It's punishing. It looks terrible, has terrible looks of it, but I enjoy it. I actually have the app on my phone that I play a ton, so I never really bust out the game because the app on the phone does all that work for you, but it's a really fun game. I like it. Um, I can't. I have one on my phone at least twice, so I know it's possible, just not likely. So, please precinct cooperative game from the designer of Champions of Midgard, which is also cool. Do you buy like all of these game apps that you talk about all the time? I don't buy any of them. I get them when they're free. Mm, okay. They like they occasionally show up on the app store free, and then people will post on the group and like, oh, well done, downloading. I didn't know you had so many. Uh, yeah, I don't like this one, which is probably why he plays it on the app all the time because it is like so it. It's so brutal. I was like, I can't get anything done. And why is everybody in this town so mean? And yeah. It's Gotham. There's no <laughs> Batman, so they just run rampant. 
You got Chief yeah. O'Hara and Commissioner Gordon out there trying to stop the crimes. I know, and I'm just doing the best I can. Like, Bagora, it's just awful. <laughs> yeah, it's brutal, but I, but I like it. Um, the next game on the shelf is one that I love, but it criminally does not get played. But that's because, for some reason, the text is so small on the cards, and that's Ex Libris. I love Ex Libris because it's about alphabetizing a magical library. I mean, what's not to love? Wow, that's riveting. That is a great theme. Riveting. Of course it is. <laughs> that's a good game, but yeah, that theme is whoa. I love that theme because you're this librarian and um, you've got this magical book collection. So you're arrange, you're collecting books and arranging them alphabetically. You're also trying to get books um, of certain types that are going to give you extra points. You're just doing the best you can to make the best library you can. Another thing I love about this, um, the actual like pawns that you use they have a whole bunch of different ones like special characters and they're adorable and they're freaking cool and they've got these awesome player powers and i love that like it's just another little nugget of great greatness um so books come um different shops kind of come out in this village it's a gnomish village um if you want to know about the the real theme um, they come out and they, so they can give you, um, these tomes in different ways. So sometimes it's like a garage sale or you auction off for them, or it's like a luck of the draw, or it's an exchange. Um, or I take some and give somebody else the other, like, it's just lots of cool ways to get book cards. And then at some point rearrange sometimes the book cards that you've taken already, because there are different ways that your library is going to be scored. And so you're trying to secure the best type of books, arrange them in the best way possible in order to get your best score. Now, the problem is, and I, I f- am fully aware that the little seller things that come out, what each of them does is very, very tiny. That font is so small. And I don't know why they felt they had to do that. There's still plenty of room on the card to explain what's going on and show the artwork without making it teeny tiny. But maybe because it's a gnome village, they made it small. It was thematic. I don't know. That That is a flaw. I get that. Eventually, when you play it enough, like there are some like different of the stores or whatever that come out that I know what they do. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, this is where you put a book down and then take a book. Or this is where you pick a category of book and then you draw so many. And if there's one there, you get it. And the iconography actually, I think, is pretty good. Um, But, yeah, that is a downside. But otherwise, I really, really, really love Ex Libris. And I wish I would play it more. Yeah, a second edition. It needs to have a second edition with bigger text. Or just go all icons and get rid of the yeah, text. Yeah, and no text. Yeah, either way, it needs to do one of those things. But And I wish I could say we only had one game about putting books in alphabetical order, but we do not. We have many because I love it. <laughs> yeah. I love all the books. <laughs> yeah, good game. Just some production issues keep it from being played a lot. Next up on the shelf is a game that we just played not that long ago. We actually played Ex Libis not that long ago, too. Um, mm-hmm. And the next game is Takedo, which is... A really nicely produced game. It's a lot of white and really nice Asian-themed art. Really nice bits. Nice card art. And what you're doing in this game is you are going for a leisurely walk through Takedo, checking out the hot springs, um, visiting 
um, some guests so that you, they can come on your journey with you. I don't know, eating food, buying souvenirs. They're friends. All the good st- yeah, friends. All the stuff you do on your on vacation. Well, I don't do, but the most people do on vacation. <laughs> you've heard, you you've heard tell. Yeah, and it started the whole thing about the Takedo mechanism or the ratcheting mechanism, whatever you want to call it, where you can go as far as you want, but you can't go backwards, and whoever's in the back gets to take the first action, the next action. So that comes from this game. Fun game. It's really simple. Um, there's not a ton of depth to it. It's mostly a set collection game. Going to spaces, trying to collect sets of stuff so you can score points. Uh, that's it. But it's fun. We play with a lot of people who don't play a ton of games, and it's always a hit. So that's why it's on the shelf. That is Takedo. It's super beautiful. It's Japanese-themed, so of course I love it. Uh, the next game, I've only played, I think, once. But I just remembered that I beat Jason so badly that it was probably embarrassing for you. For what? Oh, yes. Uh, it, it, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> But it's a really good game. It's called Passing Through Petra. So this kind of has maybe a little gimmick. There's like these cliffs that you're going to pass through. This narrow canyon called the Seek. Um, And so you are like trying to welcome traders like into this market. You want to facilitate trade. So basically it's an engine building kind of game. It has, uh, I think, really great production. Um. I, I I like the art. It's a so, little It's a odd. lot of tan. It's a lot of tan. It is a lot of tan because you're in the desert. Because I'm pretty sure Petra's in Jordan. The country Petra Jordan. means rock. That's all I know. Petra does mean rock. <laughs> that joke <laughs> never gets old. Pretty. Nobody else that listens to us is going to be like, oh, yeah, I totally get that. <laughs> Unless John Schindler's listening. And he totally knows Petra means rock. Um, there are some great colors in this. And so you're really kind of developing this engine. And it's a balance between goods and the traders of said goods if i remember this accurately which i probably don't but you're also that's correct yeah okay sliding people down this little seek and the ones that are available are only in certain areas so you're trying to move people out and move people in i kept getting confused at the beginning on how that works by the end i obviously totally got it because i whooped jason so bad and i would love to play this again because it has that kind of almost like vinos um, mechanism of action selection. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it does. Where you're moving on this grid and where you are indicates the kind of action that you're taking, which I also think is really is really cool. Um, so there's a lot of really great, interesting stuff here. Again, not like an overwhelming amount of action. So again, pretty simple as far as action choice, but or as far as actual action, but choice. The choice that choices that you're making, I think, can be really significant. So yeah, I really like passing through Petra, and we need to play it again. Yeah, it's better at more players too. I've played it at three and four, and it is better because you get a there's more competition for the people in the seek, and they come out a little bit more often. And I like this game because it's basically just nothing but tracks. You got like five or six circular tracks that you're moving around. I love it. So you know, mm-hmm. tracks the beige euro game. Love it. It's not well. There's probably a noble somewhere. Yeah, I'm sure. One of the cards, at least. Oh, yeah, for sure. I'm sure. If not, I'm putting a noble in this game. I'm going to draw draw a card. <laughs> so next up is a game that, I don't know, I think I got it at, like, what's that place next to um, the Rural King that I like to go to sometimes? The cheap store. Not Ollie's. The other <laughs> one. That's, like, 
looks like a bomb went off inside of it. The place that I hate. Yeah. Anyway, there's this like budget store, like. It's just it's like an odd lots if you know what odd lots is, but junkier. Like there'll be stuff in there oh. where like boxes are half open and destroyed, but stuff's real cheap. So I think I got this game there, and this game is called Sonar. And so if you've ever heard of the game Captain Sonar, which is like an eight-player crazy real-time game, Sonar is I think you can play up to four players, but instead of it being real time, you're playing in you know turn order. So I'll take a turn doing my thing. Other team will take a turn doing their thing. So it's still the same feeling of Captain Sonar, but it's less chaotic. Feels more like a, a better version of Battleship this way because you can actually kind of follow what's going on and pay attention and actually make some valid decisions. Uh, I've only played this once at two. It was good. I liked it, but I'd like to play it a little bit more. It's just I don't. Not everybody wants to play like a deeper version of Battleship, so I just don't ever recommend it. But. It's not bad. I'll never play Captain Sonar because it's too chaotic. But this is one that I will play and I enjoy. So Sonar. And you haven't played this one, right? No, probably because you bought it at Bargain Hunt in that place. Ah, Bargain Hunt. That's right. I hate that place. <laughs> so you just, it's like you hate this game just because it came out of that, that store that you hate? It's tainted. <laughs> uh, it's a good game. Just pretend like it didn't come from Bargain Hunt. And we got I it thought you got it. Maybe at Ollie's. Mm. If you got it at Ollie's, I could handle it, but not yeah. Bargain Hunt. It might have been Ollie's. They all blend together. Ollie's is a little <laughs> cleaner than Bargain Hunt, but still the same thing. It is cleaner. I can handle it. Um, yeah, I, I actually liked Captain Sonar because I don't mind chaos. I could have thrive on chaos, to be honest. Um, but I, I, I'd be willing to play this. I think there are some people that we could play this with and they would enjoy it. Um, the next game I'm going to talk about, and the last game I'll talk about on this shelf is one that um, we actually backed on Kickstarter. <laughs> I can't yeah, believe... Right. In your face, people. We actually do that. Or actually, Jason actually does that sometimes. Um, and that game is Moonshine Empire. And I wanted this game because I was like, dude, this game has the most hilarious theme and it's got awesome bits. So Pappy... Wait, is that his name? Yeah. Yeah, Pappy's Pappy, the house in the middle. Yeah, Pappy is running retired from his moonshine business, and he wants to see who's going to take over the empire. So in the game, you have like your own little moonshine, um, like base camp. So you got to make shine, and then you got to take the shine and deliver it to Pappy. But it that's not as easy as it seems. Um, and the, the really cool, I think, great thing about this game is that it's essentially about route building. And you do that through all these different types of vehicles that are available to you. So um, you got a pickup truck. You can have like an ATV. You can have a, um, oh, what are those things called? Airboat. Airboat. Rowboat. And a rowboat. And each of those has its different limitations, different types of terrain that it can and can't go on. There's limits on how much they all can handle as far as um, passengers and amounts of moonshine. Can they all go at the same time? Like, And nobody owns the particular types of transportation. Like, Just because I happen to use... Um, this airboat, once it goes as far as it can go and I get out and leave it, anybody can use it and it stays there. So you can almost kind of create these chains of movement for yourself to get through the swamp. But there's gators and the 5-0 shows up. Um, 
and that can affect your shine. Other people can come over and like invade your camp and take your moonshine. You also, you know, want to get them like you want the money because money is ways to win because you have auction to get things that you want. But you're also using money then to up. You want to upgrade your stills. You want to uh, get yourself more vehicles. Get yourself more people to carry your moonshine. Like, and it's all the, like the moonshine is little. You have little things of moonshine. You've got little people that all fit into the little cars, like and vehicles, which I, I love. <laughs> I love that. It's ridiculous. It's probably unnecessary, but I really love being able to move around. The vehicles, you can put the moonshine inside the alligator's mouth. I mean, it's just all around good fun. Um, But at its heart, it really is that like route building kind of pick up and deliver strategic game. And I love the theme. So it's Moonshine Empire. Yeah, I want to play this again because now that I know it's basically about route building, and not so much a pick up and deliver game. I think I would play it differently because it's really Agreed. key on where you abandon those vehicles and how you're setting yourself up for a future run. Mm-hmm. Like, not what I was expecting the first time we played it. And then by the end, I was like, oh, I get this now. And then the game was over. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I agree. Yeah, we definitely need to give it some more plays. All right. Good so, one. The- take to church camp. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll be. Got some triple <laughs> X moonshine. Yeah. Oh, man. All right. So, the last game on the shelf is another cooperative game. So, uh, this shelf has, I don't know, two cooperative games. That's a lot, considering we only own like five or six. And this is Harry Potter Death Eaters Rising. So there's a series of games or different themed versions of these games. There's uh, Thanos Rising. There's Plankton Rising. There's a Batman one. I think Joker Who Laughs Rising or something. They're oh. all eff- effectively the same. And what you're doing in this is it's a dice rolling game where you're trying to roll these dice and recruit these wizards. In this version, you're recruiting wizards. And they're going to be on your team. Each wizard's going to give you a special power, may give you more dice to roll, and all that kind of thing. The trick here is, you're trying to also defeat Death Eaters, so you can eventually start fighting Voldemort. Because if you can't kill Voldemort before he in a, uh, defeats a certain number of wizards, depending on the player count, you lose. If he corrupts too many locations all the way, you lose. So there's like 14 ways to lose, one way to win, and this game is crazy brutal. Um, we've played games of this. I don't know if, if you've been a part of them or not, but we've played games mm-hmm. of this where we've spent two rounds and we're dead. Like, yeah. <laughs> just, it is crazy brutal. Uh, I don't think I've ever won it. It is punishing. But I still like it. It's just rolling dice and seeing what kind of like Yahtzee esque a little bit. Rolling dice, trying to assign them to cards to recruit some wizards and defeat some Death Eaters. That's it. But I like it. It's fun, even in spite of the brutality. So, Harry Potter, Death Eaters Rising, last game on the shelf. Yeah, this I surprisingly like this game, even though it is so brutally hard. Because normally I'm like, if a game slaps me around too much, I'm like, you know what? I don't need this. I got regular life to slap me around. I don't need this from a game. But it it is really good. And I think any of the iterations, whatever your theme of choice is, like, this is a good game. So that is our shelf. Shelf number two on the very first shelf right inside to the left of our game room door. So what do you think? Anything new? Anything interesting? Anything you love? Anything you hate? Tell us. Tell us. Tell us. We'd like to hear from you guys. You want to complain about the many soapboxes I drag, drug out today? Do it. I don't care. I, I'm hyped up on dairy for sure today. So nice throwback. Thanks. 
Actually, it was Mike McCorney who mentioned it. <laughs> Fan Zero. He didn't mention it today, but he's mentioned it before, that it was fueled by dairy and, I don't know, orange slices, which I haven't had in a really long time because now our Speedway has been bought out by 7-Eleven. So. Why'd you bring it up? I was having a great day. Why'd you bring that up? <laughs> because I'm hopped up on dairy, man. I'm going to say whatever I want to say. We had the Just... Speedway in our town. That was like one of my favorite places in the town. Now, all of a sudden, oh it's a 7-Eleven, and they got rebranded stuff. They don't sell any of the Mountain Dew Zero stuff that I like anymore. <sighs> to be fair, you had a hard time finding that at the grocery store, so I doubt it's the 7-Eleven's fault. Once they change their name to 7-Eleven, I'm done. Burning it to the ground. You heard oh it here gosh. first, folks. I'm going to report you to the police. <laughs> Not to mention, you didn't even like it for a long time because you were mad because there used to be two speedways in our town right across the street from each other, mind you. And then you got mad when they closed the one down. Because I liked that one because it had nobody in it. Right. So then the new one's crowded. So now suddenly the new one's your favorite. Because they closed the other one. <laughs> And thus, you will come to terms with the 7-Eleven. Uh, it's going to be painful. I don't know. We'll see. They give away three Slurpees in a few days for 7-Eleven Day. They need to get Mountain Dew Zero. Oh, my gosh. There is no reasoning with you. Anyway, we've totally derailed. <laughs> I'm sorry I even brought it up. Although I would love some orange slices. And I like Not from our Speedway. Not from our Speedway. I like when they sit out and get kind of stale. So you're they're a little gross. bit hard. You're gross. No, it's delicious. All right. Anyway, you know, find us on all the socials, um, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, or the Discord channel where we just do a little chatty chat chat. Chatty chat chat, really? I That's just, what we're going to say? I just said that. I was like, it came out of my mouth. What's done is done. I said it. Oh, man. Sounds like that needs to be a subtitle. <laughs> chatty chat chat. Chatty chat chat. Katie discusses orange slices in her little chatty chat chat. Are we still recording? I think I need to sign off. Yes, we need to sign off. All right. I need to take a nap and I need to grade some papers and maybe come down from my ice cream high. <laughs> it's my dairy high. Oh, what? That was awful. It was sugar high. Come on. I, I know what it was. I know. I didn't want it to be said, <laughs> but you just had to keep going. You couldn't just let it lie. Nope. That's not Dead what on I the do ground here. where it should be. Not what I do here. Oh my gosh. If you've listened to the end, God bless you. You Highest <laughs> of fives. <laughs> the highest of fives. All right. I've been Katie. And I'm Jason. Keep gaming, everybody. Keep gaming. I shut this off 12 minutes ago. And give me some more slashes. Slashes.